my five bold predictions for the 2022 Michigan football season next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yes, Clark. Hey, hey, they said you can't be a Brady gets terrific. Throws it, and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds. A junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop. And he delivers for Bo Schimbeck. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. And we also want to welcome our brand new partner here on the show, Prize Picks. What is Prize Picks? Prize Picks is the easy way to play daily fantasy. Just pick two to five players and an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And Prize Picks has a ton of stats to choose from rushing yards, passing yards, passing touchdowns, rushing touchdowns, and more. This Michigan football season, I'm going to be making my picks for Michigan games each week. For example, if the projection for passing yards for Cade McNamara is more or less, 205. I'm probably going to take more than the 205. If the projection of rushing yards for Blake Corum is more or less 87.5, I might say he'll have more than that projection just as well. Make my entry and then share it with you right here on the show. Prize Picks even allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the exact same entry. Prize Picks has an award winning, easy to use mobile app both on the App Store and at Google Play. When you download Prize Picks today and set up your account using promo code MICHIGAN, you'll get an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks, up to a $100 instant deposit match. So download the Prize Picks app today on the App Store or Google Play. Use that promo code MICHIGAN for an instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks. 
And now back to the program. We have a jam-packed one for you today. And this week, Mark Rogers will be joining us. We're also going to talk to somebody who is trying to start a democratized Michigan NIL collective. Just, I know a lot of us are curious. We've heard so much about this and the controversy ensuing. And so why not talk to somebody who's kind of on the entrepreneurial ground floor? We will get to that coming up a little bit later on. But let me begin with what I tease here at the top. My five, what I think anyway, bold predictions for the upcoming 2022 Michigan football season. Let's start with number five. I think Michigan will throw much more in the non-conference than it did last season, which wouldn't take much. I mean, it was almost like 70-30 running to pass. But I think Michigan's going to throw more for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, they don't have Hassan Haskins. Uh, they, they kind of reestablished their physical presence. You've got guys who aren't certainly soft, but they're not the battering rams. They're more explosive, they're, and that's what Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, you don't know, what's the point of putting a bunch of tread on their tires against UConn and Colorado State? Number two, they have the weapons to do it. You look at the amount of weapons Michigan has on the outside, and I think they're going to have to feed those guys because later in the year, you probably will have to get more conservative on offense in certain situations, particularly as the weather turns cold here in the north. But I think early on, they will throw the football to, what is it, 8, 9, 10 quality pass catchers when you count tight ends that Michigan could roll out there this fall. And then finally, I think it's because there's going to be an ongoing quarterback challenge. And I think that there's just no way to settle that by just turning around, hey, who does the best job of handing it off 40 times? I I think for all those reasons, you'll see Michigan throw the ball more in the non-conference this season. Number four, I think J.J. McCarthy becomes the starting quarterback at some point this year. Could be because of injury, could be Trevor Lawrence and Kelly Bryant. I don't know, but I think we're heading towards that. I do think Cade McNamara will start the season. But I think if J.J. McCarthy is even close after – I know he was there for every practice, but, guys, it's just not the same. You're not, you're, you don't, you're not leading the team. You're not throwing the ball. It's just not the same, okay? So he basically didn't have a spring. If it's this close, then at some point I think he gets acclimated enough, he is comfortable enough as the leader and focal point of that offense that he ends up taking over the starting quarterback position during the year. Number three. Michigan will have more sacks than last season. I know this sounds nuts, but as great as David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson were, and boy, they were, and that's the greatest pass rush duo off the edge Michigan's ever had, which is saying something. Michigan was only 32nd in the nation in sacks last year. I mean, that's okay. It's not terrible. You know, there's 130 teams, so, you know, you're in the top third or so, but um, it, that, I think most of us would be shocked to hear that stat. You would have figured they were top 10. No, they were 32nd. I think because of the soft schedule this year compared to last year, I think because of a more explosive offense that will bury teams earlier than what would ha- what occurred last year, more teams and more opponents will be playing from behind, and I think a lot of those opponents simply aren't going to be able to measure up physically. And I think Michigan will end up having more sacks. Now, do I think there'll be even an Ojabo level of player than in Hutchinson? No, I don't, of course. But I, I could see like six guys on Michigan's roster get anywhere between four and eight sacks. So I, I do think Michigan will have more sacks than last season for those reasons. Number two. Michigan will win the Joe Moore Award for a second straight year. This has never happened before. Now, it's a relatively new award. 
But I think the Michigan offensive line is going to be better than it was last year. Uh, you're, you've got what I think are the three best players from that unit returning. You've got an upgrade at center. Andrew Vistardis did a phenomenal job as a walk-on last year, but Ola Oluwatimi is just a completely different level of athlete. And you're going to replace a guy who was a fringe third-day NFL draft pick in Andrew Stuber with a top 100 recruit who's been groomed for four years in Trent A. Jones to take over this spot. And behind them, you have a lot of really quality depth. I think this will be a better offensive line than it was a year ago. And Michigan is starting the year with a higher profile than it did a year ago, including being ranked the number one offensive line in the country in Phil Steele's College Football Magazine. Which brings me to my number one prediction for this fall. The Wolverines will be undefeated heading into the game. In fact, I think both teams will be undefeated. It could very well be a number one versus number two, number two versus number three, kind of a matchup depending on what happens with Alabama and Georgia at the very end of the season, as it should be, as it used to be, as it should be virtually every year. But Michigan hasn't kept up its end of the bargain. We did last year, and I think we at least do going into the game this year as well. What do you think? Let us know in the comments. We'll find out what our friendly neighborhood bucknut, Mark Rogers, thinks of those and more next. Time now for the 10-Minute War, which means we welcome in our good friend and perhaps the world's one and only reasonable bugnut, the man himself, the voice of college football, Mark Rogers. He has a fantastic channel right here on YouTube, especially if you are in for informational and entertainment purposes only, of course. Uh, if you are into uh, sports investing, so much great information, injury news, depth chart news. He's got stringers correspondence covering every major college football team all over the country. And then he carves out about 10 minutes each week for us here on Michigan Podcast. Good to see you, Mark. How are you? Great to see you, Steve. We're coming up on uh, the 22 season and uh, some big things for Michigan, from what I understand, from maybe some present company. Well, let's start there. I just laid out the top five predictions I have for the upcoming season for Michigan. Let's start with which one. I've got three questions. We'll take them one at a time. Which one stands out the most to you? Which do you think is the most likely to come true? Which one do you think is the least likely to come true? Let's start with which one you think is the least likely to come true. Least likely to go. Well, the the odds are stacked up against your back-to-back Joe Moore award winning. So on the plus side, you've got the reputation of winning the award. On the minus side, I believe you've got scrutiny for winning the award last year, trying to meet that standard again, and also the scrutiny of the way the offensive line uh, performed against Georgia in the playoff game, and then maybe some of those voters thinking we should not have voted for this offensive line. You've got the center coming in from Virginia. He's one of the very best in the country. You've got three starters coming back from last year's line, and you've got the continuity of the coaching staff that has been in place to coach the offensive line. So uh, there are pluses and minuses there, but the odds are stacked against you. So that's not happening. No, no Joe Moore award. Uh, the the most, the one that we have to get to, uh, but we can conclude with that is the obvious most important is going into Columbus undefeated. Um, I think it's um, the, the other most important that is going to settle the score for this team long-term and the most interesting to everybody is probably the quarterback situation, Steve. So I will give that an 80% certainty 
that we will have a change in quarterback and J.J. McCarthy will be the starter. Okay, you've got the injury factor that's always there. You've got possible poor play that could make the decision for Jim Harbaugh himself. But I would recommend for Harbaugh to make that decision in game one, for J.J. to come out as the starter at the outset of the season, because otherwise, as we've discussed before, you set yourself up for having to supplant a Big Ten championship quarterback who's got a 13-2 to two touchdown-to-pick ratio, and you're mauling opponents by 40 points, and you're going to replace him? He did it once before, by the way. It was just in the NFL. But he did, he did. something like this once before in the NFL. See, I, I know everybody thinks they're going to come out and just grind the ball and run 50 times. I don't think that at all, actually. I, I, I think you, there's, it's not a coincidence because they, they got all these receivers that they've recruited. They got them for a reason. And it, it certainly ain't – this isn't the, the Lloyd Carr era where, you know, unless your name was Braylon Edwards, you'd come in and catch your 40 balls at Michigan and, you know, win a lot of games but not be featured in the offense and go on to a long NFL career. We have not had a first-round draft pick at a skill position since Braylon Edwards, brother, 2005 NFL draft. All right, so it ain't on track record we're bringing these guys in. Like, most Michigan fans thought Donovan Peoples-Jones was a way overrated five-star recruit. He's been the best receiver that the Cleveland Browns have had the last two years, okay? So it's it's not track record that you're bringing these guys in. I think it's because that they believe, and they have been sold by Harbaugh, that he intends to run a more open offense. We didn't do it last year because we those guys, a lot of those guys were young. I think that last year was really about going back to building blocks and kind of reestablishing Michigan football 101, physicality and culture. And Harbaugh kind of lost his way and wanted to rebuild that. And it just so happened the team ended up being much better than even I think they expected it to be, that this was the year that they were going to do all those things. But, you know, right now they've got two dynamite running backs. They don't know who the third running back is. They've got eight or nine dynamite pass catchers if you count the tight ends. All right. They're not going to grind Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards into the ground for 40 carries against UConn. They're not doing that. They're going to throw the ball, I think, an awful lot, especially early in the year. And then we get into later in the year, you know, you're playing Sparty in late October. You're on the road in Columbus. You want to slow that game down. That might be where you see some more good old school Michigan football. But I think that they got those guys to come to schools like this. I mean, Darius Clemens could have gone to any school he wanted to when he decommitted from Oregon. How, what, he went to Michigan and then stayed while Harbaugh was flirting with the NFL, and Harbaugh flat out told him, yeah, if an NFL job comes, I'm probably going to leave. Okay? I mean, those guys, I think, are under the assurance, and I think I, the, I think recruiting J.J. McCarthy as well, that all, all if, if, if it weren't for last year, all the signs are there about a more wide-open offense. And I would just warn people about making assumptions about Harbaugh and that he can't change. I did that last year. It was my win total, one of my win total best bets, the under. You were more optimistic than I was last year, as I recall, right? And because I just thought, hey, he's got to, I've, I've seen this all. And, and he evolved. He has actually done this quite a bit in his career. They're going to run a more wide open offense. Now, when I say wide open, this isn't going to be Ryan Day where the fans are like wishing he'd run the ball more. Okay. What I mean, it's going to be like, you know, last year it was like 60 40. It's going to be closer to 55 45 um, that they're going to throw the ball more. It, it, it will be significant, but this also isn't going to be, you know, the, the kind of offense that maybe you'd see running at an Alabama, but it'll certainly be more diverse and explosive. Uh, and versatile than what we've seen so far under Jim. 
for the record, I was not 11 and one optimistic. No, I was back to let's revert to form and nine and three optimistic for Michigan last year. They can't run it much less than they did against three cream puffs uh, to start the season last year. Well, Washington became a cream puff because of uh, them not being up to their standard. But I'm looking at three games. I looked at the run pass ratio for those three games. It was basically three to one, 147 to 37, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through 37 passes in three games. It's going to be difficult for them to throw less. But more to the point, you've laid it out here. I couldn't express it any much better than you did just uh, now, plus what we talked about last week. I can't think of a good reason to run it more. You know, you add up all those factors, they all point to we become a better football team. We find out more about ourselves. We set ourselves up for success later by throwing the football and working on the passing game and and protecting Corum and Edwards. And all those factors add up to throw the ball more. I don't know if they're going to because, you know, Jim and the boys better than I do. But I say they should throw it more. So what is the one? So we talked about the one you think is the least likely to happen. Which one you think is the most likely to happen? All right. So you think it's least likely they win the Joe Moore award again. You think it's most likely that JJ ends up starting a game at some point, especially when you consider injury and everything else. So let's get to the one that stands out of my five predictions. The one that stands out the most to you. And I'm guessing it is that I think Michigan will be 11 and 0 heading into Columbus at the end of the year. I want to sneak in the sacks. I think that's an interesting um, for a, for a, uh, a stats nerd like myself. I, I like to weigh that one because I think that that one is uh, one that a lot of people would get wrong. A lot of non-Michigan people. And right. I was a bit taken back when I went back and saw, okay, 32nd in the nation in sacks last year. They weren't a top five. Correct. Sack. Oklahoma State 55 in one less game. Yeah. Ohio State had one more sack in one less game than Michigan. So you, you you take Hutch and Ajabo out of it, and everybody just thinks that they led the nation or were close to it in sacks. But it, uh, I, I'm going to say that there's about a 60% chance that they are higher on the sack total because, yeah, 32nd in the nation, they should do better than that. But let's get back to the, yes, the most important uh, of the five that you listed is, will Michigan be undefeated going into Columbus? Michigan is the better and more talented team than all of their first 11 opponents. But I give them a less than 20% chance of going undefeated. In order of difficulty, Penn State for me is number one, Iowa, Michigan State, Nebraska, and a wild card Maryland team coming in that can really sling the ball around. I don't think they go undefeated in the first 11. Okay. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, history would show that you are correct. It's difficult to do. Yeah, but history also would have said that Jim Harbaugh doesn't know how to win a conference championship because he'd been a college football coach for 10 years and never won one until last year, right? But I think they're going to be better than they were last year. Uh, It'll be different than it looked last last year, okay? Uh, The the defense is going to have to be more sophisticated than it was permitted to, to not have to be a year ago when you could just really just rush four and stay in a base nickel or dime defense and just keep, you know, receivers in front of you, um, it'll look different, okay? They're going to have to be more – and you're going to see Ohio State do this with Jim Knowles. They're going to they're gonna be much more aggressive and versatile on defense in his scheme as well, okay? So it, it will be different. Um, 
Offensively, I think they will be more dynamic. Remember, they actually had more more plays of 50-plus yards than any team in college football did last year. Uh, they just they just tended to run the ball into the ground and then go over the top for big plays. I think it'll be consistently more explosive. But I think that they the number one thing they did last year, Mark, is they fixed the culture here. And this is arguments that I had with the Ari Wassermans and stuff of the world that I think misunderstood my point. I'm not I, I'm not saying recruiting rankings are not relevant. Of course they're relevant. My point is that Ohio State has almost always out-recruited Michigan in almost every modern era of this rivalry. It is There's been isolated seasons. You know, Michigan had the number one class in the country coming off the 97 National Championship. There's been the, the 2019 year with the changeover from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. Michigan had a higher-rated class that year. There have been isolated moments when Michigan has out-recruited Ohio State, but over the course of eras, they just simply have not. Ever. Like going back to like, you know, when this rivalry was reinvigorated with the 10 year war, you go back and look at the amount of guys put in the pros between Michigan and Ohio State in those eras and Ohio State had superior talent in those eras, too. And in the end, there's a certain brand and culture at Michigan that has been instilled that allows them at times to bridge that talent gap. Now, you can't have the gap where Ohio State's, you know, recruiting number one or two or three in the country and you're in the bottom of the top 25. You can't do that, okay? There's no culture that's going to consistently bridge that. But you can consistently compete with and maybe beat Ohio State with an 8 to 12 ranked recruiting class if you have the right culture and particularly the dynamic quarterback. All right, now they didn't have that last year. I think they have that now and it'll just be a matter of when he is ready. But that's... That everybody I talk to that's around that program, um, including people that have been very skeptical of Jimmy and were like me, thought we should have made a coaching change before last season. They will just tell you, watching the team throughout the state of Michigan tour they just took, the culture on that team has been fixed. Whatever was going on there internally, uh, and I think it was a mixture of things. I think it was a combination of Jimmy treating it like an NFL job and not really making personal connections with his players. I've heard Jake Butt say until last year, you really didn't feel comfortable going into Jim's office and talking about stuff or having Aaron issues you might have. That, that He just kind of seemed unattainable, and that's different now. You know, that, Brian Kelly made similar changes in the Notre Dame program after they had that 4-8 and eight season in, in 2016, made himself more available. I, I think that, uh, you know, understanding that this has to be a player-led Movement. It can't be a coach-led movement when it comes to leadership in the program. That the player, there has to be an internal accountability mechanism within the the program itself, as opposed to the coaches playing the role of the heavy all the time. And and a lot of stuff that was just you know paramount in the era of the Schembechler program that was one of the most consistent winners in college football here for thirty years. I think that stuff has been fixed. So I don't I don't think we're going to see any more. You know, uh, Michigan captains try to pull J.K. Dobbins' pants down uh, on national TV and just embarrass the hell out of themselves in the program. That's clown show stuff. I don't think you're going to see any more of that stuff. Okay, I think that stuff. I think the culture stuff has been fixed, and and so now it just becomes about is there a level of dynamic ability there that um, that you can you can beat the teams you are physically better to? And I think the answer to that question is yes, but. I don't blame anybody for thinking they may trip up along the way. Here's here's something that I think, and I'll leave you with this. Here's something I think, and I want I'm teasing this for next week. Okay. Am I a terrible fan if I'm really not bothered if we don't beat Ohio State and end up in the Rose Bowl? Because I think this 
is going to be one of the last couple of Rose Bowls as we've known them. And and I would love the opportunity to go to that game with Michigan in it with my son when I don't know that that opportunity will exist, you know, uh, indefinitely moving forward. We're going to tease that. You and I are going to debate and discuss that next week. All right? We're, we'll do that next week on the show, Mark. Good to see you again. Appreciate it. I'll just say, Steve, the toughness component of Michigan football was displayed at the big house in game 12. And Michigan fans, after you yawn through your week one opener and watch Ohio State Notre Dame that night, regardless of the final score, watch the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that will give you possibly reason to have optimism with your uh, increased dynamic play on the outside to match Ohio State and surpass them again this year. That's a smart take. That's good analysis, brother. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care. See you, Steve. You bet. So there has been a lot of talk, and I think deserved hand-wringing, about NIL and Michigan here this offseason. And just look at recent events. Uh, you had Michigan basketball coach Juwan Howard uh, hold a press conference before the team went off to a European tour talking about Michigan's one of the few big-time college basketball programs that doesn't have an NIL collective for players. Michigan's not doing enough. And flat-out Juwan saying, hey, I, I know this is going to make news, and it needs to. This is a conversation we need to have. Just yesterday... Uh, Michigan and Iowa State were the final two schools, purported anyway, final two schools for a promising athletic recruit named Kenyon Sadiq, and out of nowhere just shocked everybody and chose Oregon. Gee, I wonder why, all right? Um, The idea that Michigan is going to get to exist um, separate from the realities of the new economy just, well, isn't reality. Let's get some uh, some dose of reality from a guest on this who knows how this works firsthand. We want to welcome him to the show. Uh, Reese is the easy part of your name. And, I, hey, I got a tough-to-pronounce last name, brother, so I am sensitive to it. So make sure I get it right the first time. You pronounce the last name for us, and then we'll go from there. My name is Cadilla. Reese Cradilla, it is good to have you with us, Reese. First of all, tell us a little bit about your background and what you do and how you even got into name, image, and likeness. Yeah, so uh, I graduated from the University of Michigan in 2013. I'm a civil engineer in Chicago now. And um, last year, me and my buddies uh, started to get into the Web3 craze. And uh, we were sitting around watching the Northwestern Michigan game. And uh, my buddy David and founder, uh, co-founder turned to me and said, hey, what what about a Michigan football DAO? And uh, the idea just kind of evolved from there. And we started to think about uh, the different possibilities of what could happen if, you know, we channeled the collective energy of the uh, University of Michigan alumni base, the largest alumni base in the country, and to NIL and helping Michigan with this uh, this new uh, area. Um, so we just started kind of, you know, the gear started turning, we started researching it, and uh, the idea started flowing, and we just started, you know, slowly building it. Uh, we started with just kind of slowly building the community. Uh, we spent a lot of last winter just uh, coming up with ideas, having meetings, uh, chatting in the Discord together. A lot of it was just uh, having game threads, you know, just just the founders. And um, yeah, since then, it's been kind of ramped up in the past few months. Uh, we've, you know, grown a lot. We've seen a lot of people take interest in us. So um, yeah, it's been a very fast learning process, but really excited to uh, with what we're doing. When you hear things like uh, our men's basketball coach, Juwan Howard, saying last week on the record, on purpose in front of the media, clearly sending a message to the administration. How do we possibly not have a collective for the men's basketball program 
uh, at the University of Michigan in comparison to a lot of other schools. And you just mentioned, Reese, all the advantages Michigan has, that one of the largest living alumni bodies in the world. Uh, you're looking at one of the top three programs in terms of television ratings year in and year out uh, in terms of eyeballs produced in college football, uh, the largest on-campus stadium in the country, uh, the perennial leader nationally in football attendance. How is it possible that what Juwan Howard said is true? It is, but how does that happen? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, clearly, you know, the University of Michigan, the people in charge are taking it slow. Uh, they want to be conservative as possible. They want to, you know, make sure we're not breaking any rules. Uh, at the same time, you know, I hear what Coach Howard says, and I, I agree with him. And uh, it's kind of music to my ears to hear him uh, use words like uh, we need to be more proactive and forward thinking, because I really think that's exactly what we're doing at MGO Dow. And, um, you know, we are trying to keep Michigan on the cutting edge. So, um, you know, as soon as as soon as they will allow us, you know, we're ready to go. And uh, until then, we're just kind of, you know, slowly building our community, coming up with ideas and uh, putting in the work to uh, make sure that once the opportunity comes to us, uh, we're able to uh, go full go and be 100 percent compliant with the NCAA. There's a lot of mystery out there, Reese, amongst our viewers about how this all works. You see crazy stories, Tennessee getting quarterback recruits for $8 million. Malachi Nelson, uh, the stories out there today on the Andrew Webbs, who knows if they're true, that he may flip to Texas A&M for $15 million. There was the story in The Athletic last week that an NIL collective has begun at USC against the wishes of the university. They've just said that they're tired of waiting for them and they're just going to do this on their own. How do we know, how does our audience even know what is compliant? Um, obviously, they want to get involved in something that is supportive of the program. Where does the money go? Walk our audience through this process. Sure. Um, that's a good question. So um, that's another thing that we're learning very fast. I mean, the reason we haven't, you know, actually – you know, given any money to any athletes is because we want to make sure we're 100% compliant. So uh, the rules are very convoluted right now. Um, one obvious one is, you know, no contact and recruits. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, University of Michigan seems to be following that. Not many other schools seem to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, the University of Michigan partnered with Influencer to go through uh, Victor's Exchange. So I think that's one way that uh, the University of Michigan is taking the steps to make sure that we um, are remaining compliant with the NCAA. They're going to check all the deals. Um, student athletes need to um, disclose the deals a week before they actually take part in the deals. So, um, yeah, as far as actually compliance, um, a lot of it is just kind of, I think, a bit of common sense. Uh, you know, no pay for play. Uh, it has to be quid pro quo. And really, we're just kind of, working with different people, talking to as many different people as we can to make sure that we understand the rules, reading the, reading the handbook, reading the guidelines, and uh, make sure that we are following the rules. So what? Wh how does your collective work? So we are doing things a little bit differently. Um, we are a DAO, which is a decentralized autonomous organization. We are not actually officially a DAO yet. That's the plan for later this year. Um, and once we are, uh, by definition, we'll be fully transparent and community operated. So that means that members will be able to uh, create proposals and vote on them and kind of decide the direction of the DAO and where the money goes. So 
Um, you know, we have a few different ideas for so a little bit like a blockchain to... is kind of what you're describing a little bit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's Web three. It's kind of a the new like I said the new craze, but uh, you know, we're trying to be more useful than anything. I mean, we think this is the perfect use use case for a DAO, and um, we think that you know we can kind of use this uh, this vehicle to like I said, channel the collective energy of the University of Michigan and uh, point it in the same direction. Everyone will be able to, you know, donate in whatever way they can. We have, you know, um, a huge network of Michigan fans that, you know, have different skill sets, different times, different um, uh, commitment levels. So uh, really, it's a low barrier to entry. Anyone will be able to contribute in any way they can. And it'll be uh, kind of voted on by the community. Are these considered nonprofits? Are these? If, can people set up a, a reoccurring donation, and it's uh, it's tax deductible? How does that work? We are not a nonprofit yet. We've applied, or we've uh, set aside the name for the status, but we have not applied to be a nonprofit yet because that's another thing where uh, the rules. Um, I've I've seen a lot of people on Twitter just kind of talking about you know. We're not really sure how the nonprofits are going to work yet. Right, because so, we got a lot of the uh, universities like Texas, for example, are saying these guys are doing charitable work with a nonprofit so that the boosters still think that it is a tax deduction. And that is where I do think I'm not a big fan of Michigan's approach, but that is one area where you do start messing around with 501c3s and 4s. And that is where screw, no one cares about the NCA, but the IRS gets involved and says, eh, not sure we were getting our cut of that action, right? I, I can see why that is an area where Michigan could be would be hesitant rightfully hesitant to get involved in something like that exactly and that's somewhere where we really want to make sure if you know if we apply for that status that we are uh 100 within the rules of the irs and we don't want to uh, invite any uh, extra attention that we don't need what's the ultimate goal here like your dream outcome scenario is you've got a a, a, a kind of a quasi crowdfunded blockchain governed sort of a NIL collective that's very democratized. <clears throat> Pardon me, anybody can get involved in if they want to support the Michigan athletics and support the athletes that make it special. To what end then? What what ultimately would happen with those resources? So for those resources, we have a few different plans. Right now, our plan is to uh, create a yearly annual fund for athletes for each recruiting year. So, um, you know, whether it's the beginning of the year, whenever, uh, we'll start the clock and every donation from that point for one year will go to a certain recruiting year. And uh, that money, that pool of money will be available to athletes um, from that recruiting year uh, as long as they're at the University of Michigan. So um, obviously based on uh, contingent on deals with them go down. So they'll need to set up deals with them. And, um, really it'll, it'll kind of depend on what, what does the athlete want? You know, do they want to do charitable work? Do they want to do meet and greets, signing events? I mean, we think we can kind of be creative with how we work with the athletes and do it in ways that are, uh, beneficial to the athletes, uh, do it with, uh, areas that interest them. And, um, really we want to be, you know, athletes first. And also we, um, think we can be creative with how we do it. So, um, but also we're just building a community of uh, like-minded Michigan fans who want to have tangible, you know, immutable, immutable proof that they are having an effect on Michigan athletics. So, you know, we, we have some tailgates planned. We have a tailgate plan for season one at Colorado or uh, week one against Colorado state. we mm-hmm. uh, have a tailgate at MGO patio. We have a tailgate plan for the Michigan state game at MGO patio with our partner base path. 
So um, we are trying to build a community of fans and really what the, you know, the NFT portion or the to the DAO token will be a networking token that allows you to be a member of the, of the community and contribute however you want to. So not a recruiting inducement, but similar to the donor environment that this, the program has where, you know, coaching positions are sponsored by essentially patrons or patron saints, to use a expression from yesteryear, patrons that, that have, uh, you know, a reoccurring sponsorship of that position. Once players sign and become athletes now at the University of Michigan, uh, so there, that relationship is formalized, then you guys essentially have different, would, would want to create different revenue streams of NIL as a collective to basically be a patron on a class, recruiting class by recruiting class basis for those guys. Exactly. And yeah, so that number will be public. You know, recruits will be able to see that number. And, you know, we're not going to need to contact the recruits directly. Uh, once they get to, get to school, they'll see that, you know, um, they have access to that pool of money uh, based on deals with us. And um, our, our members will decide where exactly that money goes. So I'm sure, you know, a lot of it's going to hopefully be going to the quarterback or but we also want to make sure that a lot of uh certain percentage of that money is going towards our non-revenue sports. Mm -hmm. So we want to, you know, make sure that Michigan remains in everything school and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that all the money isn't going to the football and basketball team. We do want uh, to spread the wealth a bit and to make sure that all sports at Michigan are still thriving in that IL ecosystem. All right. So before I ask you to give details uh, on how people get more information or join it, if they would like, is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you think our audience definitely needs to know? Yeah, let's see. Um, so really, I guess our whole thing is kind of, you know, owning your fandom. So up until this point, you know, Michigan fans, we can, you know, buy a jersey, buy a shirt. We can put stickers on our car. We can wave a flag. Uh, we can go support the team at the games, which is all great. But this is really what we call owning your fandom, owning digital ownership on the blockchain. And um, well, you'll have proof that you are a fan on the Internet. So uh, Michigan has the, like I said, the most largest alumni base in the country with a diverse set of skills and various levels of commitment. So we're creating a vehicle for anyone to support Michigan athletics in whatever way they can and really just lower the threshold for the average fan where you would normally have to be like a booster, a connected person. And now you can have an effect on uh, Michigan athletics and not only financially uh, support the athletes, but also help build that network for uh, to support the athletes uh, for now and in the future. So um, that's really our goal. And I just wanted to make sure that uh, that was clear on what we're trying to do here. All right, so Reese, people want to learn more about you guys, make sure you're on the up and up. They want to sign up. They want to join up. Where would you suggest they go? Yeah, so check us out. Uh, our website is ngodow.io. That has links to all our socials, uh, Twitter, ngodowNFT. There's a link to our Discord there. Uh, the Discord is really where all the action happens. It's kind of a different app if you're not used to it, but you know, join it and see what's going on. Uh, we're also at ngodow on Instagram. And, you know, I just wanted to give a call to action, you know, anyone who's interested in getting involved, um, you know, we need help with, you know, pretty much anything that you can think of. Uh, we're wearing a lot of hats right now. It's just a few of us. We have day jobs. So, you know, if you're interested in things like NIL compliance, marketing, graphic design, event planning, 
uh, DAO governance and website development, uh, you know, or and beyond content creation, uh, come join us. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at mgodownft, and uh, yes. Yeah, get involved. I love the idea of a democratized, uh, more populist process. Nothing wrong with, you know, uh, having the Stephen Rosses and the Al Glicks of the world, but Al passed away earlier this year. You know, you just can't rely on a handful of uh, benefactors, especially when you've got alumni and fan base uh, and so many Walmart Wolverines like me, uh, when you have that many people, uh, the idea to give everybody an opportunity to step in and support, you know, maybe you can't afford the, you know, a thousand bucks it takes for a family of four or five plus parking and food to go see a game these days. You can't afford that in one fell swoop. Maybe you can afford 20, 50 bucks a month or something instead. Or maybe you've got a small business with an opportunity where a player lending their name and image uh, might be beneficial as a relationship to the both of you. I love the idea of just making this available to the masses because Michigan certainly has the masses to make something like this work. So we wish you good luck, Reese. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. Really appreciate the time. You bet. Go blue. Go blue. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, what surprise development is most likely to happen with Michigan football this season? The number one choice, beating Ohio State on the road, something the Wolverines have not done since 2000. The Florida recount was counting hanging chads the last time Michigan won at the horseshoe. Think about that. Next up, 25.3% said lose to Sparty again. That'd be depressing. 20.5% of you said losing three or more games. That would be even more depressing. 18.3% of you said uh, getting more quarterback sacks than last year, which you heard at the top of the show, is actually one of my five predictions for this season. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Steven Nova, or Novoa asks, I'd like to know the Iowa game. What time is that game going to be played? Well, I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of word on the street that that's actually going to be a big noon game on Fox. And, hey, I, I went to a Michigan-Iowa game in 2011 where that was Brady Hoke's best team that won 11 games in a Sugar Bowl. They lost to Iowa at 11 a.m. local. Okay, so you can lose to Iowa at any time of the day. But I just like with Camp Randall last year, one of the sneaky advantages Michigan got, one of the sneaky breaks Michigan got, was not having to go play Wisconsin at night. Yeah, it, it's hard to play Iowa in that stadium, particularly if you are got Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines. He didn't win there as a player, never won there yet as a coach. All right, so it's just hard to go into Kinnick and win no matter what time of day. But, man, I'd much rather do it at 11 a.m. local than 7 o'clock, okay? I don't know how much more of an advantage it gives you. I just know it's at least somewhat of an advantage, and it's looking like that's going to be the big noon game on Fox. So 11 a.m. local in uh, central time zone here in Iowa is when that game will get kicked off. All right, that'll do it for this week's edition of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, follow, share, five-star review, whether you're watching here on on YouTube or listening on iTunes. No matter how you access us, there is a way for you to let us know you enjoy it and also to let other Michigan fans know uh, that they should be checking us out as well. You can also check us out on Twitter in between episodes. At Michigan Podcast is where you will find us there. Until the next time. I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.
Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.